a game synonymous with geek culture of the 80s gets yet another stab at a mass appeal adaptation. Previous attempts on TV and movies have waffled between comedy lampooning the genre or being serious in nature but embarrassed to source material. Will this latest try to capture the hearts of children who want to play the game while appeasing the nostalgia of the old men who played it long ago? In the end, it's all about selling toys, pajamas, and cereals. But that's enough about Super Mario. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons today. <laughs> Welcome to Afterthoughts. Uh, I'm uh, doing some hosting duties today. This is Ryan King, and I'll go ahead and jump around the panel and introduce everybody before we start talking about the movie. Uh, we, today we've got John Garcia. Hey. See, this is where I could do a light Dungeons and Dragons thing. You could, yeah. We, please don't call me the Grand Wizard. Please don't do that. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to say wizard. <laughs> you can call me wizard. Just, just don't grand. say great. <laughs> great wizard. wizard. Yes. <laughs> With me today, we have our wizard, John Garcia. Uh, actually a cleric in level four. I have a trick god as my divinity. Uh, I do play Dungeons and Dragons occasionally, if you can't tell, but I don't know enough about it to bullshit my way through that opener. <laughs> yeah, that was as, yeah, that's as good as we're getting, I think. Yes, that's exactly it. Our resident paladin, Dixon. You guys are a bunch of fucking nerds. I, I have never played Dungeons and Dragons before, and I was very confused by this movie, so... Uh... <laughs> Uh, and we have our uh, our guest NPC for this session, Parker. Hello, hello. I feel like you're about to go with a rogue, and that probably would have fit pretty well. Yeah, nice. you have to roll your own class as you come in as a guest. So This is all right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> we watched uh, Dungeons & Dragons colons, Honor Among Thieves. Truth be told, we helped the wrong person steal the wrong thing. We didn't mean to unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. But we're gonna fix it. So how do we pull that off? Uh... Figure it out over a drink? Probably best. We're gonna need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage. Back to school. Magic. And what is that again? It's an owl there. exactly that you bring to this i'm a planner i make plans you've already made the plant so if the existing plan fails i make a new plan so you make plans that fail no he also plays the loot not relevant dungeons and dragons honor among thieves tells the story of edgin the sad dad a once noble snitch turned thief looking to atone for poor parenting together with his barbarian bestie holga He'll travel far and wide, assembling a party of cardboard-thin characters to save his estranged daughter from the evil clutches of Hugh Grant. Also, there's some bit about stopping an evil red wizard from red wizarding all over the citizens of Green Screen City. But enough about that. Roll for initiative. This is uh, how we tricked Dixon into watching a fantasy Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> you took my joke. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah, I will start it off by saying I actually watched three movies in the movie theater this weekend. A very rare Whoa. thing for me. Yeah, yeah, very, very rare thing to do. Uh, and this, uh, for Dungeons and Dragons, I took my son along. So was, he's the only one old enough, I guess, ish to watch it and the only one as dumb as me to watch it. 
Uh, and <laughs> due to trying to schedule in three movies on the weekend, we ended up picking the time that was the most convenient and ended up watching it in Screen X. It's a porno theater, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we went to the porn theater Screen X to watch Dungeons and Dragons colon. The colon was a different thing. This With this song. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm going to try my best to describe this. There's just an extra set of projectors along the side walls that then are projecting on the side walls, and you sort of get the IMAX experience where you kind of, there's too much shit going on all around you that you have to look at. Is there like extra Except, movie that I didn't get in my normal theater that you got on the walls? I Is this like super so. wide format? Yeah, that for the most part, one, it wasn't every scene, so it was distracting because it kind of oh, came and went. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, I would say, like, maybe 75% of the movie, anytime they were inside or any kind of, like, emotional scene, we were usually just in the normal format and the sides were off. Anytime we were outside, the sides were, like, fucking mountains and trees and shit just off in the peripheral. Uh, it added nothing to the experience. If anything, it was distracting. Wait, but Ryan, um, I, I have an important question about Screen X. Did they have the thank you for coming to the theater message in Screen X? Oh, yes. Was there like an yes, extra? Okay. You know who the real heroes are? <laughs> you guys, the audience. Yeah, it was that except on the right and left was like the boom mic and a, a writer, <laughs> a couple of writers and a guy with a cue card. The stagehand that stepped out of sight. <laughs> they realized like they were in the coffee, frame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, you didn't miss anything because like at most I did notice there were some times that like actual principal actors were on the side, but maybe twice. It was honestly just like extras and mainly yeah. just scenery. The yeah. aspect ratio of the movie is already two, three, nine to one. Like this is already shot in ultra wide. Did they shoot this in like a three to one? I was trying to look into it because kind of like 3D, they either do it pre-production or IMAX on it like they plan to do it that way or uh -huh. someone fucking hacks it together in post I think this one was done pre-production like that it was planned and hence it only being in like certain scenes and it it seemed like I always had the right like I, I kind of like try to put my mind on like okay if I was actually looking at this screen does it make sense where everyone's like standing and how they're interacting am I getting all the things that would normally be in frame and and I think I did so mm. I think that this one, they did just film some extra scenes, I guess, in an even wider lens. Yeah, I don't know. And then went back to normal for other stuff. Getting the sense that Ryan is stalling for time because he doesn't have okay, a lot yeah, to talk about right. this movie. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's a slightly above middle Marvel movie, <laughs> I would say. Uh, it definitely has the Guardians of the Galaxy Suicide Squad kind of feel to it, I think, as far as mm -hmm. as they're concerned, right? We kind of have this like group of people that each fill a different role, uh, you know, and a different kind of personality type, and we kind of just go along on our adventure. I will honestly say I do what one, the digital effects were not as bad as a Marvel movie. I actually think they worked fine. Uh, bar, because you kinda I mean <laughs> the bar is pretty low, but there was never a time where I was like, okay, that's not a human, you know, flying around on the screen. That's some bullshit. It, yeah. it looked fine. Like, I never really mm -hmm. got taken out of it. There were some action scenes. We can talk about some particular ones that I actually thought were pretty smart in, in like, how the action went through and, like, what the plan was and how you kind of got to follow it through that felt to me like... The kind of thing that if you were playing a D&D &D game and you guys did that, everyone would have a really fucking good time talking about like, oh, man, yes. you won't believe what we did with this thing. We did this and stole this thing. And it was really awesome. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I, I think the characters are like as much as they needed to be. Like these aren't great character depths. The the ending of the movie, there's definitely a point where like it's all the chess pieces are on the board, and you're like, all right, well, I know what's happening. Like, yes, I know mm-hmm. why there's a crowd. I know why there's this tournament. I know what the hell they're going to end up using the immortal tablet on. Like everything is just like, all right, I know where this is going. And it was still enjoyable. Like it was still mm-hmm. fine. I do, I do think it removes some of the emotional, like supposed tugs at the end because I'm just kind of like, well, it's magic. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yes. gonna get solved, kind of thing. Um, but like overall, like it, and just because I mentioned it earlier, it's fucking better than the Super Mario movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is also a very low bar. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I give it like a. Eh, you know, it was fine. And my son liked it and I enjoyed myself and I actually laughed and, and liked the action scenes. Am I going to be like, oh, guys, you got to run out and watch this or anything like that? I do want to take an aside on Super Mario later because we can distract ourselves temporarily. We're going to put that in a separate uh, episode for you. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> what was the third movie for, that you watched in theaters this week? Uh, I'll talk. We'll get that on the. Uh, oh, OK, OK. We'll do the recommend and refute. I'll okay. get to it on recommend and refute. Uh, I will say for like for family watching, I had wondered if I could have brought my daughter, she's 10, to it, and I kind of debated, and I looked at stuff, and it didn't look like it was too bad. Having watched it, I think it was perfectly fine, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it had the like Bart Simpson level of cussing, I think. There wasn't really any <laughs> blood anywhere, and the most of the deaths were like, you know, dudes in armor that I couldn't even fucking see what happened to them, and there was mm-hmm. one like guy who gets his neck cut, but you can't, it's kind of off screen too, so... Yep. Eh, it was fine. And it was also, again, like all magic and bullshit. So you don't feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. The bad guys are really bad guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. I guess that one person did like turn a whole city into zombies or eat them or something. I'm not entirely sure what happened there. But Dixon, what are your we'll just go right to yeah, the, rip the band. Yeah. Off. Yeah. Just, uh, just so it. my joke was going to be this is the best Marvel movie I've seen in years. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, That's, that uh, doesn't mean it was good. High low praise. Yeah. <laughs> um, I gave this a two and a half on Letterboxd and my review was just why. Um, like this was enjoyable. It it was funny. Like the Chris Pine is always a lot of fun. You know, he's just a very witty guy, you know, very quick witted, good banter. Um, I always like him and Michelle Rodriguez. I thought they had a good dynamic together. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lots of jokes throughout the movie that I fa- found myself laughing at, like, uh, like falling through the orifice into the cave thing <laughs> yeah. and like other things yeah. like that that had me laughing. Um, I didn't give a shit about any of the characters and I just kept like everything was just fucking fetch quests the whole time. It's like now we got to go get this thing to unlock this thing so we can get this next thing to go to this next place to get this next thing. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, when is this going to be over? Like, what's going on? Like, it was like I didn't hate watching it, but I was just like it just felt so empty. It was just like eating a shitload of candy. And then at the end, just being like. All right, I need to go throw up now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just didn't really understand like what the point of this was really, other than for Hasbro to try to make some money off its IP because they haven't made a Transformers movie in a while, you know. Yeah. And like it felt like they were really trying to copy the Guardians of the Galaxy format, and they did a good job reproducing that. Uh, Chris Pine is way better than Chris Pratt, so you know, like that's <laughs> fine with me. Um, but uh yeah i mean overall i was just like eh like i don't really i don't really get this i have never played dungeons and dragons i don't know how this relates 
to the game at all. It just seemed like an excuse to tell a fantasy story and like slap some known IP on it. Um, but curious to hear from you guys if it's any more than that or if it's mm -hmm. as shallow as I as it seemed to me. But um, yeah, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we open the floor to our guest Parker and uh, get get your thoughts uh, on the film before we kick it over to John. Uh, yeah, so I think that's actually a perfect segue because I do play quite a bit of D and D. Okay, um, awesome. I actually play text D and D consistently throughout the day, every day. <laughs> What's that? Uh, our DM is just super into playing, and uh, oh, it's you can a play like throughout the day. You just we know each other so well, and there's only two players, so it's not a lot of like you know back and forth and we're able to just kind of communicate and we don't get like we don't get a lot done or anything like that but it's a yeah, really good void you can have a few moves a, a day or something yeah. yeah exactly exactly and whenever you're not in combat you're able to just like fly through things in a breeze I accidentally uh set a town into a whirlwind um and like destroyed a whole bunch of cities and like killed a bunch of people wow. on accident, uh, because <laughs> i misread a text so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's fun um but yeah no i really enjoyed this movie uh it might be because i was coming into it with uh the idea that it was going to be you know just another like cash grab hasbro is on my shit list right now uh, <laughs> just right now <laughs> very much so uh you know like i i put them in the back of my mind transformers was okay to me you know michael bay is michael bay but the first one was fun and i was a teenager and i wanted to see optimus prime on screen mm. um but nowadays they're fucking with my magic the gathering and that's really really oh, yeah. annoying oh man they yeah. own all the nerd shit they own so much nerd shit because they bought <laughs> wizards of the coast and yeah no but nerd um, monopolies we gotta we gotta break up the nerd monopolies yes <laughs> i'm down let's take them to court <laughs> how much do we bribe clarence thomas oh wow <laughs> he's, he's got a pretty big price tag i don't know plus i think he likes monopolies hey so clarence we've got another mic if you're interested in being a star <laughs> Calling you out, bud. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe if we let Ginny on the podcast, he'll do it. She <laughs> seems yeah, to be the one that wants the fame. She, she yeah. has his ear. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, no, but the uh, the directors of this movie, they definitely like. Um, it was uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. I'm looking up. Oh, why is Matt Mercer on here? That's probably not true. Consulted, maybe. <laughs> yeah, know. but. Um, but both of them were like avid D&D players and both of them worked on uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, okay. So okay. they're definitely uh -huh. familiar with the Marvel formula. Mm -hmm. um, I think they did a really good job with this one and kind of like pulled all the punches or I guess didn't pull any punches with like the comedy. It's definitely a comedy action first thing and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, but I, uh, I really dug just like, you know, what they did with the cinematography. I think the casting was, it worked well. Really, like the only down thing is like the story is like y'all said, just really empty and kind of nothing. But uh, all of the source material is fantastic. Like they kind of you know changed a couple of names on things just for for ease of players or viewers, ease of viewers. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the most part, like all of the settings that you saw and that that's all been in D and D since the seventies. Oh, okay. Uh, the Displacer Beast, the Gelatinous Cube, everything that they... The Fat showed. Dragon, the Absolute Unit? The Absolute yeah. Unit is a fan <laughs> favorite. <laughs> that dude is a glutton. Oh, my God. And he was my favorite. 
<laughs> I, I, that scene was goofy, but it was very fun. Like, it was funny to see an obese dragon. You don't right? see those yeah. a lot these days. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. And that was HBO's one thing. all about making sexy dragons. You know, <laughs> yeah. we need to see some fat dragons. Film these dragons on fucking these new <laughs> dragon scenes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, that the physical, the physical comedy was really great, whether it be the CG, which was pretty well done, as I agree as well. Um, all of the like the spell casting was really great. And, um, actually, I was uh, I I watched this on on release, so it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I was watching little videos to kind of get a recap, and I didn't realize that apparently uh, the uh, spell casting that the um, Justice Smith character Justice does? Smith uses is uh, a lot of sign language. It has uh, sign hmm. American sign language built into it. So oh, that's that was cool. Really cool. That's an interesting that remix. Cool. Yeah. Is but, he the shitty sorcerer? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And his his great grandfather is a real character. He's also another fan favorite that people wanted to. They're not wanted to see. Nobody wants to see. Like, yeah. The only person that anybody would want to see is Dritz. That guy's like, you know, the fat dragon. That's what you're talking about. That's <laughs> no. the name. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. No. 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 He's, okay. a, he's a drow guy. Uh, R. A. Salvatore wrote a whole bunch of books for him. Uh, that that see, guy. Already getting into the stuff I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, that's a little too deep. My bad. I'll pull back. I'll pull back. <laughs> Don't take us into the Underdark. That's what I remember. The <laughs> Underdark. Um, but no, yeah, I thought that like the color gradient was really good. And like they did a great job with the cinematography and like they made the action sequences work pretty well. And um, it, it was just like a lot of comedy, a lot of physical. Even the action was comedy action, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was good. So I'll kick it over to John. Yeah. Um, as somebody who has a very limited experience with dnd i've played with like three different groups and i've bailed on all three um that is yeah. a, a time-honored tradition for a dnd person uh, uh the true player <laughs> yes <laughs> um so i, I kind of want to give a little bit of grounding for what dnd is i was gonna suggest that parker you do it but i also didn't want to risk you pulling us into the rule books potentially yeah, other that, no. yeah, uh, you're, you're much better suited for this um but yeah, so Dixon, for you, D and D is a game that you can play. Um, basically, it is just having one person be a storyteller, and everybody else at the table does anything they want to, um, and that is anything. And it can frustrate the hell out of the person that is supposed to be leading you, <laughs> mm -hmm. because somebody will go off for like weeks and make a storyline and everything, and then you will just instead fucking kill the entire town that had people in it that were supposed to do things and uh, get in this position where you're like what do we fucking do now i don't know let's open a store mm -hmm. um or you can for, literally for like, no one to come to yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like like i've been a part of a party that tried to push socialism into a capitalist dwarven town nice. and like a bunch of other shit that's happened where we were like trying to do this and the dm was really like i am not a poli sci <laughs> mage i can't do this shit <laughs> so it's just really flexible and kind of fun and it gives you a uh, safe space to be like an actor and try to be a different role that you would normally not be tough guy or weak person or whatever you want to try to like manipulative, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me to see this, it really did feel like one of those like one-off campaigns where, yes. Oh, you've got to go get the thing to get the other thing. That's how like any campaign starts when you're reading from like the playbook. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. I understand that this is going to have like almost no gravity to a lot of it. Uh, the characters even establishing Chris Pine's like emotional, um, investment in his daughter was pretty weak. Um, but yeah. I, I look for with this movie, I went in thinking, yes, this will basically be the D and D Marvel movie. Uh, and I was like, well, I just want to watch and see if the action is, is legible. Like, can I visibly see what's going on mm -hmm. when things are happening? Um, and then what amount of detail are they pumping into it without being ham fisted? Because in Mario, 
Like everything is right up front. It's like, oh, that's the poison mushroom. Oh, it's the blue shell. Oh, this they fucking say that shit all the time. And then in D&D, it's literally just like, nope, we're not going to tell you what the fuck that is. We're just going to move past that. Here's a proper noun. Fuck you. We're going to go over here. Uh, this has something to do with the story. And um, it'll just it makes it seem, I think, to like a, a, a critical eye. It feels like all these MacGuffins. But then when you're actually into D&D like Parker is, I assume there's a lot of layers being peeled back where you're like, OK, that makes perfect sense. Oh, yes, yes, of course they would have this. Oh, they found that thing. All right. Sure. Like that that could just be there. Um, the one thing that I really like, we've all mentioned the CGI here, is the fact that they use practical effects for a lot of things. They yes. have puppets. And I haven't seen a fantasy movie that tries to use puppets, even puppets that look bad. Um, like the, <laughs> the fucking cat people puppets in this were hilarious to me. But also I was like, <laughs> they fucking tried. They tried to put little puppet cats with like eyes <laughs> that close and shit. And I was just like impressed with the amount of that they were trying to merge. And I could definitely tell it was like, there was a certain point I feel like where the creatives behind it were like, can we just do all practical? And Hasbro was like, no. And the studio was like, no. Um, and so they were like, fuck, we'll, we'll do practical where we can. And then CGI the rest in, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what I love about fantasy films. Uh, for some reason, when I watched this, I thought of Beastmaster. Yes. <laughs> it was just like Beastmaster has a lot of animal abuse for the sake of practical <laughs> effects. It's fucking awful. Um, <laughs> but it's still one of those things where like, you just don't see too many fantasy films now where it's not like, Oh, that's a green screen. And they're talking to a green screen monster. Like the dragon people here are actual like puppets. I'm pretty sure too. Mm -hmm. the way that they talk mm -hmm. and their mouths kind of actuate is fascinating to me. And uh, just all of the, even Jorn Jornathan, my favorite character, Jarnathan. Jarnathan, the fucking bird man that oh, gets yeah, thrown that out of a window. It's literally anybody's joke. escape plan. <laughs> like that shit was funny to me. It was yeah. so good. Uh, and it, it, I think that the practical kind of nailed how goofy it was mm -hmm. and how it didn't take itself seriously. Like it was here for the slapstick. Well, it would have looked so ugly if they would have done oh, CGI, CGI, like Chris Pine hugging a CGI bird man and uh, whatever. It yeah. would have been shit, like just mm -hmm. awful. But yeah. I came for that. I got that. The only thing that made my experience really frustrating was the dude next to me who was texting on his phone <laughs> and taking pictures of the fucking movie every 20 minutes, um, uh, which like, I just don't know. I don't understand what he was doing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like outside of that, from what I remember, because he distracted me for the first half, the latter half was pretty fun and I had a good time <laughs> with it. I was also because the characters were so hollow, even though I was distracted for the first half, I was able to latch right back yeah, in easily. On the second half. Immediately Wait, what did I miss? <laughs> oh, they just got a couple that things that they had to get for no reason to get the next thing. Cool. Oh, All right. What's that? I'm back the in. walking staff is actually some kind of wizard shit. Fuck it. Where'd you get the walking staff? Okay. Oh, I don't know. Who cares? Just move on. Um, the other thing was I watched this split brained thinking one, it's a D and D movie, but two, this is actually an isekai about Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> <what> now? <laughs> an isekai is a Japanese anime <laughs> in which a person is teleported to a fantasy realm from the real world. Okay. So I imagine Michelle Rodriguez's Letty character from fast and the furious yeah. actually <laughs> was teleported to D and D and has just forgotten. She's so drunk and hammered that she's just forgotten and is a barbarian. Now she just rolls with it. I was like, dude, this would be great. If Vin Diesel showed up at the end, yeah. <laughs> She's not much different from Letty. Also, uh, yeah. the movie is all about family. Yeah, so, I mean, is, you know, yeah. there's a lot of La Familia in this. Mm -hmm. Just got to get some <laughs> you Corona make that joke in there. That 
Yeah, Vin Diesel loves Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, like, he does. Really? If, they oh, yeah. call, if they called him, he would be in in a second. He would be yeah. in right away. Was he the voice of the fat dragon? <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah. the Iron Giant. <laughs> or like like he is Groot in fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Any of those. Well, and they had a lot of crossovers, you know, two different Chris's playing the lead role. And yeah. Yeah. Well, every major Hollywood uh, lead uh, actor is a blonde guy named Chris now. So, yeah. you know, there are only so many options. Yeah. It's I, was, I was trying to tell Sasha about the movie and she was like, I was like, yeah, it's got Chris Pine in it. She's like, Chris Pine, is he that guy that's in that new Apple TV show? And I was like, no, that's Chris Evans. And she's like, Chris who? <laughs> <laughs> like, the guy that plays Thor? No, was, that's yeah, Hemsworth. She was Ugh. like, is that Captain Marvel? And I was like, no, that's not Captain that's Brie Marvel. Brie Larson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Chris Pine is the best Chris, though. Like, yes. By, by far, I think. And uh, yeah. I, I kind of wish he was, it seems like he's just not doing as much over the past few years. And I wish that he was in more you know, big blockbusters like this to like make them palatable. Like mm -hmm. if there was, if like Chris Pratt was in this instead, this would have been just God awful. Oh, oh, and like Chris Pine makes this movie tolerable for me where I'm like, all right, like I'm enjoying this. He's cracking jokes. He's a likable guy. Like I'm, I'm cool with this, but if they had a, a lesser Chris, that would be uh, it would be harder to stomach. Also, did he sing his own songs? Because he was, like, it was pretty good. Like, if oh, that's a good question. Singing, I don't I know. Like, it sounded damn. like it was him. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, oh damn, he's he's pretty solid. Um, I, I want to say real quick, Ryan. I know you have a list of topics we could talk about here, uh, but, but I was looking on IMDb and I looked under the goofs section because I wanted to know who noticed goofs in D and D, uh, and <laughs> under the goof section. There was one uh, one thing in particular. Um, I want to pull this up just so I can read it to y'all uh, verbatim. It is in Dungeons and Dragons. Bards are basically a jack of all trades who straddle the line between clashes. Uh, they have some rogue abilities, are competent fighters, and they have access to magic spells that can damage, heal, and even transform themselves into different animals. Edgen would have been much more useful as a, than a planner and whacking people with his loot. So they like took exception with the fact that Chris Pine didn't do all the things a bard do would anything normally else. do in the movie. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, actually, because I was so I was about to make this argument that Chris Pine is not a bard in the movie, but his description or that person's description yeah. of it was you, uh, wasn't it? A bard. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. like Chris Pine does a lot of that stuff. He does a little bit of roguishness. He does a little bit of fighting. His so he doesn't actually have magic music. But like you know, you he can cheers people up with it. His it's music fun. as inspiration. Yeah. It, I think Bard. I think charisma. You need to play songs and exactly. be charismatic, and it's fine. And like, that's what he does. But mm -hmm. you just like calm down, people. Okay, mm -hmm. it's a D and D movie. Yes, you can go play the game and have all your rules and everything is fine. Chris Pine really pulled the whole movie along. Like I yes. agree. Yeah, he was really, really mm -hmm. good. It par it perfectly fit. He needed back insurance for how much he carried. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of uh Jack Burton Big Trouble and Little China vibes where he's mm -hmm. the main character, but everyone else is doing all of the work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think they acknowledge that too. The fact that he's just like, I plan. That's what I do. I'm just mm -hmm. here to plan things. Right. And when we don't, when, when, the, the, plan and when the plans fail, <laughs> that was also a, plan. a great gag. So your plans fail, like all your yeah. plans. <laughs> the, the plan C black, and Are we the back plan on plan B. A? Yeah. 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 And that was really good too, actually. The uh, the fact that they had like, I started to notice like, okay, well, like one of these plans is going to be redundant if they need to like, 
really do this but the way that mm-hmm. they like utilize that as a little bait and switch i will say i appreciate they did not just do mcguffin 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 all of them work <laughs> yes. and it was like mcguffin no this doesn't actually work let's make another mcguffin <laughs> they have mm. the parallel mcguffins yeah i do i was gonna say as an as an adaptation kind of it was kind of in my theme anyway we'll probably talk more about it as an adaptation in general anyway um it while it did have a lot of the D things in it it didn't try to stick so hard to the rules, right? And that I think mm-hmm. that someone could say, oh, bitch about, you know, oh, he's not really a bard, or druids can't do all of those transformations like that. Mm-hmm. But within the realm of the movie, that was a really fucking awesome scene. And if you actually, you know, the DM can set how you play mm-hmm. a game, and they can tweak the rules as they want. And if they're like, hey, actually, it would be cool if you turned into nine things and one of them was a deer because we set that up as a funny joke let's just do that you can right and so i think Mm -hmm. that it it, i like that they didn't try to stick so hard to being like hard fantasy like let's just follow it like it really is but then still wanted to acknowledge like these this is the world these are real places these are real people i mean that's okay like when we talk about fantasy and we talk about adaptations too this is actually something i really wanted to to dig into because we're talking about like mario brothers movie they have a checklist of things it's like they have to get through and show you all of the shit that's how you know mario is mario D &D, to me has always been it's like a pool or an ocean where Mm -hmm. you can step in at any point and there's just lore everywhere and like what do you exactly pull like what stories so like these characters when you adapt from D D. You can adapt like Parker was saying, oh, well, this is like a fan favorite and this is a fan favorite and this is a fan favorite. But then the characters themselves can be blank slates. And so you can work from that, mm-hmm. which unfortunately they didn't really do too much with the character side of it because they wanted to do jokey, jokey comedy, just a fun adventure. But you could have a and d movie. I-, I don't know if you really would ever have this a and d movie where there is a lot of emotional stakes and gravitas that's on a smaller scale in this fantasy realm. I think that Hasbro obviously has some say in whether that would happen or not, but it is definitely on the table that like, for instance, a 24 could do some shit in the D &D world (laughs) and it would be fucking insane Uh, because like David Lowry directs the green Knight, but dungeons and dragons. Exactly. But like, because there's no overarching, like with Marvel, you have, you have to have these characters and you have to have these beats and it has to set up to this. Like Mm -hmm. there's not that for D and D. And so there is this room for, different creatives at different levels to actually play with the framework of this and adapting it. You don't have hardline rules to it beyond these particular characters who are important to a timeline. But outside of that, like nobody's going to, you know, fuck with that. Like nobody needs you to introduce a new character that has to play with those other characters specifically. And you're not beholden to like, okay, now we're going to bring in Black Panther and the people are like, well, but this version or that version, or I can't (laughs) believe you did this. or you change that? Right. Like it's even if you bring in, named characters there's still flexibility because even in your you know your group your session that character's a little bit different anyway or that city's different or whatever right there's not mm-hmm. so much that you're ironed to i will say though there is no real solid shit to super mario <laughs> yeah <laughs> like one of the reasons that i didn't like that is i felt like they tried too hard to try to grounded in some expectations that don't really exist around Mario. The opposite ends of the spectrums, right? Because D&D has rich lore and very flexible characters and storylines and stuff. And Mario is a collection of things that were able to be pixelized when it was made (laughs) and then became canonized as well. You know, he's in the mushroom kingdom and that's what that means. 
uh, let's get Bob and, Hoskins and John Leguizamo in here and just, <laughs> um, and film a movie. <laughs> well, and I was like, honestly, I think the only reason that they're plumbers from New York is because of Captain Lou Albano. Oh, yeah. I don't think that I don't think the games ever said that, and I don't think no. any of the other material other than that TV show and then the Bob Hoskins movie had that plot. What cracks me up is that like they're like, okay, well, we got to stay to this canon that doesn't exist, but then we're going to be like, hey, the Kong army that is what Mario Kart is, I guess, where I was like, what the fuck is this, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes they just made up shit, and sometimes they stayed too tight to rules they didn't even need to have. I do think that they, they played this as safe as possible to set up, if this movie succeeds... Yes, we can do I, something that yeah. then has a sequel. We don't have to make a sequel to this. We could. Maybe we just do something new. Yep. We could do TV shows. We could do a more like Andor type show where we go really deep into mm-hmm. something. Or we can make fuck a, something for kids like that just straight up is for kids. And now we have this universe to play in. Like, I, I do think they played it just right. I was like, Ugh. yeah, the cynical side of me, the it's Sylvester side of me uh, <laughs> yeah, came into yeah. play when I was just like, OK, I know what this movie is doing. It's it's building a, a launch pad. It's for, testing. Yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Um, and the fact that my parents brought me a D&D map from their viewing and they said it was a great movie and they had a good time yeah. tells me all I need to know has mass audience appeal. Mm-hmm. They managed Checked every to pull box. it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very palatable. All right, so then on Hasbro, Parker, I like your your thoughts on this because you know that, and I know that these other two don't. The beginning of this year, well, I don't know all the other fucked up shit they've been doing with other things, but specifically with Dungeons and Dragons, they changed or tried to change the license. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I honestly, it was specifically Mm. because they were gonna make this movie. Like they want to change how they're licensing. Dungeons and Dragons for games, books, movies, like they are going to go hard in Dungeons and Dragons, you know, in these next few years. And historically, it kind of was like somewhat for everyone. Like you could buy the books, but you can make your own stories and then you Mm -hmm. could resell them, your editions through Mm -hmm. their open license. And they decided like, no, fucking we got to charge everyone. We're like Elon Musk with check marks. Everybody's got to fucking pay now, even though we've been (laughs) given to you before. Uh, And it, did not the community did not take it well <laughs> no oh yeah the the word of the day was ogl open games license hmm. uh and it just was a, what allows d and like so people just use D D like people use the word kleenex or band-aid uh, you know yeah yeah like tabletop gaming can be a multitude and a litany of different things and uh and uh, one of the reasons that like D has been able to live for so long and been the largest withstanding uh tabletop game uh and become name brand is because like they do an open games license and they allow people to have flexibility with their games make adjustments sell supplements on their own that can be played alongside dnd uh but they wanted to adjust that so that way they can monetize all of that and you know that never goes gotcha yeah yeah and i think that they've seen this rise of dnd tangent uh, streaming, right? Like we see a lot mm-hmm. of Twitch streaming, YouTube channels or podcasts that are playing D&D, mentioning Vin Diesel before he's done some mm-hmm. of this. Uh, John Mangaliello, how do you say his name? He's also oh, like... Yeah, he just had a... Yeah, from Magic Mike? He, he's also super into D&D and he's had stuff that he shared as well. And I think that somewhere along the way, some executive was like, hold on, what the fuck? 
especially as like mm-hmm. Critical Role has a TV show coming out. Oh, of their Amazon thing that's built on our Prime. thing on Amazon Prime, and how are yeah. we not getting money off of this? What the fuck? Now they've put shit out and really bad movies, <laughs> and maybe a couple oh. questionable oh, yeah. TV yeah. shows. There's a 2000s D and D movie that is like three dollars on iTunes, and yes, I mm-hmm. bought it. <laughs> With the Mar- with Marlon Wayans and Jeremy That's what I call it. The Marlon Wayans one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awful. But Jeremy Irons is chewing the scenery the whole way through. Oh, and yeah. It's Does he fun. ever not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's what you wanted. You hired yeah. him for that. If you got Jeremy <laughs> Irons in your movie, why not? <laughs> let him go ham. I, I do feel like that was the example of being kind of embarrassed by the source material. Like they mm-hmm. really weren't sure what they wanted to do with it. Um, I did want to talk about like fantasy movies, because you mentioned it. Yeah. And where this kind of falls. Fantasy, I wasn't even thinking about this before I saw the movie, that fantasy kind of, every once in a while, accidentally something gets through, but honestly, every time, because I kind of suspect that we'll see another rash of fantasy movies following this, Mm -hmm. that will all fail miserably. (laughs) I just don't think anyone really knows what they're supposed to be doing with it anymore as a genre. The ones that stand out in my mind is I will say the, the largest fantasy property star Wars mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is trying to figure out oh. what to do with theirs, but they've gen- been generally successful. Um, but recently we've had attempts again at Lord of the Rings that no one's really paying attention to mm-hmm. even by the Hobbit ninth Hobbit movie. We were tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Game of Thrones was a big deal and everybody tried to make their own version or, or whatever. And yeah. none of them got anything to stick. And even the newer Game of Thrones stuff isn't really sticking. Uh, yeah, there's like a prequel show out now, right? Or something oh, like yeah. that. Dragon? It's just yeah. Dance of Dragon. Or, yeah, House of the Dragon. And yeah. it's just more incest and more blonde. I mean, that's yeah. what people want. It's reality <laughs> masquerading as prestige TV. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am interested in like why, why some fantasy works and why some doesn't and how much it is just i don't know if it's the public interest like it's just not i i feel like it comes from like treating the treating the audience like with like a little bit of respect i feel like the like like john was saying the D movie kind of just like let people it it didn't gloss over things it just kind of it took you with the ride and you were there to enjoy it it's escapism yeah you escaped you you let yourself go a little bit and you just kind of rolled with whatever they're saying is the, the you know next thing that brings up a great point, Parker, which is when you think about House of the Dragons and Game of Thrones, or you think about Lord of the Rings and what the fuck's the most recent one? The, the Ring of Power? Ring of pa- Rings of Power. Yeah, Rings, Rings of, power, of Power. Ring of Power. Those kinds of things. You, you get into that and fantasy becomes work, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you watch a science fiction film, you're looking at the future, but it's commenting on the present. There's mm-hmm. a contemporary message in science fiction. And in fantasy, there's always been kind of a drama to it. And the emphasis seems to have pivoted more to lore where you're like, and then like Captain Elgore of the 10 armies had the, and you're like the fuck of the 10 armies. And <laughs> if you're like willing to go and read in a library, I guess you could learn what the 10 armies were established by King Elrond in like the, the age of eight. King Elrond Hubbard. Yeah. Elrond Hubbard <laughs> uh, <laughs> led by Sir Tom of Cruz. And, <laughs> oh, <God>. uh, <laughs> um, but like fantasy seems to be misinterpreted now as, oh, we have a lore and that's what makes it important. That's yes. what makes it valuable to you. The viewer is that there's more here if you ever want to peel it back. Mm-hmm. But like most audiences are like, don't make me fucking try to learn this kind of shit. Tell me a story that connects with me on this level. And if it has some cool details to it that are set up, you know, it, it's this is where Dixon, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because 
uh, I don't know how many fantasy movies you've gone to watch. I know you're big into like Italian Westerns mm. and these other <laughs> kinds of stories that tell a tale that is pretty familiar in terms of a person rolls into town. You watch the dynamics flow in the, the real time that they're happening, not, you know, the man with no name shows up to the town and it turns out that, oh, you know, the town has been run down by this person from so-and-so's lineage who beget who, who beget who. It's a Bible, basically, yeah. its own version. <laughs> like, what what do you look for in a fantasy? Yeah, I, fantasy isn't my favorite genre. Um, like, I like the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, you know, didn't really care for the Hobbit movies. I, I think a lot of times in fantasy movies, they feel very, like, pompous and self-important like everyone's british for some reason <laughs> and there's all this like i think like you're saying john about the lore it's like you know they they act like everything is so important and and this it's just this um you know all these it's usually about royalty and i don't give a fuck about <laughs> yeah. royalty like you know i i want to see movies about like noblemen and royalty where they're like eviscerating them and murdering them yes. um you know and so like I, I feel like for the most part with fantasy it falls a little short for me um you know there are some that work for me and I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to subvert that kind of story but it doesn't seem like that is really done very often if at all yeah. um like i've never seen a harry potter movie i have no desire to um you know like I, I, it's just not really something that catches my eye when something like that comes out so um i, I think they can be good um like i i like star wars i, I loved star wars when i was a kid um I think that feels a little bit different because, uh, one, not all the characters are pompous British assholes. <laughs> and, uh, two, it's like, you know, there is, um, I don't like the characters feel a little bit more grounded to me, I think. Yeah. And you can kind of like identify and latch onto them a little bit easier than you can with, uh, you know, Sir Noble Knight of Dipshit Land that is trying to go on this quest or whatever. Yeah, th there's I think also with Star Wars, it is a pastiche of a lot of passionate things that George Lucas loved in that mm -hmm. time. He wanted samurai films. Mm -hmm. He wanted mm -hmm. like laser swords and like all this other the blaster pistols and everything. He focused on style and the actual like archetypal story first. And then after that, he made the mistake of trying to introduce lore yeah. and explain every fucking yeah. detail. And that's when I got really bad. Yes. <laughs> that's and, part, that, yeah. and that's when Ryan wrote a whole thesis on the diner from episode two. Uh, it was like a 1950s diner out of nowhere that Obi-Wan goes to. <laughs> That scene lives that in my diner. brain. Yeah. <laughs> it lives in your brain for free. Or really when the when the franchise went downhill was before the, he started to put lore into it and when he started putting teddy bears into it. When he put it, Ewoks when, into yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm I'm a fan of the message that indigenous people can overtake a bunch of fucking colonizers. Yeah. Same. And the, same. The, but at the same time, trying to market the indigenous people as a commodity <laughs> and a toy line is uh, fucking where I draw the line. They're so cute and cuddly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, to answer uh, your question, yeah. Ryan, probably a, uh, a grounded story in fantasy is usually what what makes the difference possibly yeah like latching onto one character and watching them see the hardships like i think of another fantasy series which is the witcher um with mm -hmm. henry cavill in it which now is being recast or whatever the fuck's going on with it i don't know oh. um Ooh. but it had like a main character it has a world lore it doesn't really try to bother you with that lore and each episode has an emotional depth to it where they can at least i think fantasy actually might be better served with a series than with a movie yes so the movie mm -hmm. 
you're trying to introduce too much at once in terms of a, a world and you can't really introduce a commentary unless it is like Dixon said on like a royal family to show you that royal people are dicks and they do terrible things mm -hmm. and that it's always the common person that suffers because of that and they have to overcome it. Every fantasy movie now I've boiled it down to is Rocky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you have to fight your way to the top and maybe you'll make it. Um, but when you have like a TV show where you can go through and peel back layers different, you can introduce people to the world and take their hand and walk them through it. You can also do these intimate kind of segments where uh, a woman is struggling with a family drama piece. Like she's the victim of domestic violence in this world. And how are the rules actually interpreted here? And how does that reflect things? Mm. I know. In the latest Game of Thrones, they did a whole bit about how it's like supposed to reflect the misogyny of the modern times. Uh, but like that statement of saying this fantasy reflects contemporary times misogyny doesn't translate because you're in a fantasy world. You're in a totally different yes. structure and it doesn't critique the modern times. It's supposed to critique a behavior or a power structure itself and not like directly one to one map over to us and be like, here's what you should be learning. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that new series also does a lot of just like focusing on the royalties like Dixon hates. Which yeah. We all hate. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just not good. It's, it's fucking bullshit. On, on fantasy, it's interesting because I would say I kind of agree that it's about it's much more about the style than it is. And, and getting lost in the potential depth of lore is kind of a problem. And I do think that Lord of the Rings and Star Wars both kind of just present you with some interesting settings off to the races with some characters. And then mm -hmm. if you want to, here's all this other shit that you can dig into and learn about. Mm -hmm. um, but doesn't really make it to where it's like, oh, you don't know what's going on. Um, which to me, I love Dark Souls. I have no fucking clue. And I think even if I tried to, I would never understand what's going on <laughs> in those games. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea. And I don't try to, but it's exactly that where people will start being like, oh, well, this was that and this was that. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just <laughs> killed him. I just moved on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that you, some of the better fantasy when we talk about from a good movie perspective or, or a good perspective, do try to blend in that sci-fi. We haven't talked we about are Dune. Talking about we haven't something. mentioned Dune at all. Yeah, we haven't mentioned Dune, which is successful as, as well. Mm -hmm. um, when they do end up applying somewhat to, a, to modern times, I do think it plays better. And like, honestly, Dungeons and Dragons, nothing. Like, there's nothing there mm -hmm. that's like really trying to say anything interesting about our current world. But I do think of like, Dune is a good example of like, yeah, the, the religion and the impact of this change of government. And, um, I look at like Spirited Away is also like a fantasy, right? Because she's in yeah. she's in this other world and there's oh, all yeah. that. But it really is talking about nature and man and growing up. And right, there's a mm. lot of things there. Those themes are really strong that come through. Um, and if you close one eye, Star Wars kind of has some of that. <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings is really, really steeped in a whole lot of that, right? And those are where those end up being very successful. Yeah, I think what we're kind of getting down to here now is that fantasy addresses spiritual and religious allegorical components. Like it talks about those aspects of life. Science fiction, I mean, it can talk about those as well, but it seems to discuss more ethical and like both share an overlap and political. Mm -hmm. um, and there's they're used differently in how they critique mm -hmm. the systems that they work within. I think about like Blade Runner and what makes us human. Well, in fantasy, you're not going to ask what makes you human because there are different classes of people, different races of people. 
that exist and you have like all of these like orcs and whatever else. And that becomes like much more of a social structure. And then from there, it's like now there's these different churches because there is magic and there is this aspect of it's not explainable by science and it's not something that can be harnessed necessarily by everybody. So where does this end and like who abuses this kind of power as opposed to who creates this kind of power and who creates these kinds of ethical questions and quandaries? Um, and it's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Again, D and D doesn't address any of that, <laughs> but it has no. room to let that breathe <laughs> and characters to talk about it. Um, well, and like, I think yeah. that you could, right? Like, that's what we were saying is like the setting now is there to say, yeah. okay, cool. Let me take this little corner and actually do that if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so yeah. Okay. I think we mostly covered my topics, except we haven't covered the movie. <laughs> Yeah, at all, so, at all. But there's there's not really anything. That, it's just like fetch quest to fetch quest to joke to joke. Like it's just kind of like I don't I don't know. Like it's hard to really break this down, other to, than to say like Chris Pine is delightful, and yes. you know he yep. just the the movie just makes me want to hang out with Chris Pine, and that's really that's really Dude, what he's got to be the does. coolest guy. So like, fucking cool, honestly. man. <laughs> who, I read a thing who's that the, uh, he took that who role played the because, paladin because that was the other one that I was like, oh, oh that guy, that was, guy, really fucking, that guy was awesome. Yeah, Bridgerton or whatever. I can't remember what his, yeah. his actor's yeah. name is, but uh, oh, the guy that Chris so Pine sweet. was like, I don't like talking yeah, to you. I, he yeah. like whispered, yes, I hate yeah. you. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that made for fun. That was kind of a fun moment of like you have these two opposites of two men who have taken the same oath in a way to be Mm -hmm. good and virtuous. And one of them whose greed overcame him. And there was a little bit more they could have probably played with, but I enjoyed their reposting and like their relationship. And uh, it's just Chris Pine's kind of fucking vitriol. (laughs) (laughs) was was really entertaining for the straight character. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You needed to have that because everybody else was an enabler for Chris Pine's character. Mm. You need somebody (laughs) who tried to like actually balance him out. Um, yeah, but, um, I, I do have one fun thing to point out that I've been holding back on, but, uh, please let it out. (laughs) So in the, uh, in the climax of the movie, whenever they're going through the maze at the end the the battle sequence or not the battle sequence, but the games games. Yeah. The games, um, they, uh, they show a couple of other like parties inside the group. And one of the parties is extremely familiar. If you watched, uh, mm-hmm. right. I think you mentioned, uh, <laughs> some, some morning cartoons and selling some cereal back in the eighties. Everything mm-hmm. had a Saturday morning cartoon, including <laughs> our yep. dungeons and dragons here. Oh really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Never so, saw that one. It is pretty ridiculous. And, uh, and they have a party of five, I believe, or maybe six, but they, uh, they put the characters in it. So it's the characters that are like winning quote unquote. I was wondering the why the costumes oh, the ones are so get shitty. Stuck in the yeah. For those the characters, yes. Yes, the costumes exactly. are really yep, shitty for those characters. So like out of a movie that the costuming is very fantastic on, they did yep. a great job of like picking all of those choices out. Yeah. Those characters are like just perfectly slightly off yeah. and like yeah they just seem like they're yep. just the obvious barbarian the obvious like all the soldier. archetypal yeah. images of mm-hmm. those things yeah. yeah and i heard muffled laughter when that happened mm-hmm. and i was like i'm missing something <laughs> it can't just be that they're dressed shittily <laughs> there yeah. has to be something yeah. else with this um i like that it was there but not yeah. like they didn't try too hard to be like hey look huh huh wink right. wink like it was but, there yeah. and then it was over you yeah. never would have um, noticed. It was just there for the people that, that knew. You know, if you knew, you knew. As an adaptation in that cartoon, by the way, 
the plot is that they're riding a roller coaster of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and somehow get pulled into the actual Dungeons and oh, Dragons. Oh, it's an isekai <laughs> from okay. the 80s? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's, that is something I'm very glad they didn't do in total was uh, make it an isekai. Yeah. As I've had so it. many questions from friends who haven't seen this movie yet where they're mm-hmm. like, so are they playing the game while they do the movie? I thought that's what it was going to be. And I was like, too, yeah. no, they're not doing it. They're just like legitimately who it is like in the movie. That's their role. That's their character. They really believe it. So if I recall, the 2000 Marlon Wayans one is also an isekai, right? They get pulled in. He, yeah, they get pulled so. in somehow like into yeah. the actual game. Yeah. There's a bunch of that bullshit where you just have to. And what's funny is that there is a, I, I haven't seen it, but my one of my friends talks about it all the time. There is a really good isekai book out there about like these kids playing not Dungeons and Dragons, but like, you know, the fake name Jumanji dragons and, and yeah. dungeons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they get pulled in, but then it becomes like very real. Like it's like a young adult novel, but like one of the kids dies in it and like. It's very serious toned. Like they're just like trapped in this world. And it's that was the one thing I kind of wanted from this that I knew wasn't going to happen because, again, Marvel Dungeons and Dragons movie was I wanted better stakes. I wanted a few characters to die. I wanted somebody to eat it and not come back. Yeah. Yeah. And I was even confused. We talked about the end. Michelle Rodriguez cannot yes. die. In <laughs> yeah, whatever right. movie franchise she's in, <laughs> she they just, just bring her back why, later with no why, explanation. <laughs> that's why I think that this is the Letty Isaka. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she clearly is from Fast and the Furious and needs to get back there. <laughs> uh, you make a good point. Um, that's what, so I, I think that after Fast 10, they really mm. need to just start infusing fast into everything else like i don't care <laughs> do the crime I'm, I'm down i'm down <laughs> um yeah that was the other thing was when i was when i was watching it one of the things i latched onto that i really liked was there is because they don't go heavy-handed in oh this is this from the lore like these are these characters or these are these monsters the environments themselves when i think about fantasy movies and maybe it's because again schlock guy here i watched a lot of schlock of people walking in the forest i've mm-hmm. watched a lot of mid budget to low budget fantasy where it literally is just get your actors in front of a green screen <laughs> or an area that looks outdoorsy and have them talk about their lightning bolts and their other fucking shit um there's nothing going on in those scenes. There's nothing that's actually painted in with a passion here but like i feel like in the dungeons and dragons movie Every environment is alive and different and unique. I remember, even if I don't remember the story beats because the characters are kind of hollow, I remember different areas. Like, I remember what the Mm -hmm. Underdark looks like because of the lava and these different areas and the bridge joke and all that shit. I remember certain forest areas with, like, the people who live in the trees and the kingdom. It all has a unique vibe to it. And I even remember, like, a few segments that have just creatures crawling in the distance, like spiders or these other things that have like a weird magical element to them, mm-hmm. especially talking about the arena games, that fucking Panther thing with the weird the forward projection, beast. the displacer beast, yeah, whatever the yeah, fuck the that is. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, it like projects itself and distracts you. And that's like a genuinely cool thing to see. Like these are really mm-hmm. cool artistic things. Like somebody had to have a great time animating that. That's like when I remember people talking about Pacific Rim or any of the kaiju films, um, like these Marvel VFX artists talking about working on kaiju films from Legendary, they're like, it's so great because I get to actually pour my heart and soul into something I care about, which is making a monster that looks fucking cool. Yes. Or making these moments <laughs> that look great, like the fat dragon 
and the undead army of dudes that yeah. keep coming back when you like kick oh them my down. God. And those are just like fun moments. It is like Dixon said, like eating a bunch of candy. And then at the end, you're like, fuck, why did I do that? I guess I'll go throw up. <laughs> yeah. But in that moment, like I should have eaten dinner instead. Why yeah. Did I do this? yeah. But in that moment, I was like, cool. It's not just a Marvel where we get a shaky cam and a bunch of laser blasts that kill everybody else. There is always something that kind of shifts with it. That seems different yeah. and fresh. So yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what I want in a fantasy. If it can't provide me the cool commentary, I expect. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I do say- think that like, afterwards i remember the jokes i actually was like to logan i asked him afterwards of the movie i'm like can we remember the character names because it was they're exactly like star wars names with like vaguely a name yep. <laughs> each one of them and i was thinking Ed, like was Ed, edgin? edgin i was like what the fuck is that Ed, edgin <laughs> he's edgin <laughs> i was thinking afterwards i was like well they were all kind of paper thin i'll probably forget but then honestly like even now i'm like actually i can remember who they what their names were which is good, right? That's good marketing that they're like, it's stuck enough and it's unique enough. Like they, they pulled that off. What was Michelle Rodriguez's name? Uh, Holga with an H, yeah. not Holga. 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 Yeah, Holga yeah. What was Bradley Cooper's name? <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Nobody brought up Bradley Holy Cooper. shit. <laughs> I wanted to mention Tiny Bradley Cooper, Tiny just like Bradley. in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my God. <laughs> I Like when that happened, I was just like, oh my God, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Like, why can I, should I just get up and leave now? What the fuck is happening? Like it was just played so straight so like it straight. tonally <laughs> it was so different than <laughs> the rest of the movie yeah. they just like slammed on the brakes and like we're gonna have tiny bradley cooper now and we're not gonna <laughs> explain this at all or, like what this like race of mini people are or what what's going on here it's just like and i guess it's just funny that M- R- michelle rodriguez likes small dudes i, I don't know <laughs> a lot like, of big women love smashing hey. small dudes okay yeah. <laughs> don't question it i like I, that, snoo, that snoo part I, I thought that was actually the worst part of the movie i like oh. i like groaned real hard when that happened i was like oh my god are, are you serious i didn't groan real loud because the dude next to me went dude do you know who that is to his friends really fucking loud yeah. and i was like yes it's fucking bradley cooper shut up <laughs> the worst audience member yeah oh yeah no i really like that scene actually i was like oh it's a little touch of reality for a second and it's a another fun little twist of um you know holga's rage coming from her relationship troubles like not like the fact that like we got that backstory like, that she left her tribe and we thought him. that was the whole yeah exactly like yeah, yeah she got booted out of her tribe and now she's pissed off but really she left her tribe for this tiny little dude because they didn't accept her or accept their love or something like that like, mm-hmm. i don't know i thought that was really goofy and kind of cute but it served as like it was funny that she was like I'm just gonna show him and I'm gonna show my tribe and then like Chris Pine had to sing her a song to cheer her up and I was like this is kind of nice like friend development yeah. I like that yeah, exactly. he's there for her. also uh, the scene where they're breaking out of their shackles and Chris Pine is literally just the entire time <laughs> rubbing his ropes on yeah, the fucking on the stairs stair. while she's killing and everybody. She's killing everybody. And he's like, yeah. we've almost got him. <laughs> really establishes uh, he's not good for shit. Like, no, he really yeah. can't do much. And just there for commentary. But yeah. great commentary. That was the other thing was uh, Chris Pine's character, while he's a really cool dude, um, I was worried he was going to be the, uh, to Ryan's point as well, the guy who is embarrassed of the lore and the the actual like source material. Oh, because yeah. you have a chance for if you okay 
Imagine, if you will, this movie with Ryan Reynolds instead of oh, Chris Pine. Oh, fuck no. And Ryan Reynolds would have been like, wow, that really makes sense. Doesn't <laughs> that make sense? Like every fucking five minutes, he would look at the camera and fucking do whatever. And then advertisement mobile at the end. But uh, yeah, it's just like, okay, fine. Um, but Chris Pine did such a good job of being annoyed by everybody in the world and not representing the actual source materials being annoying. Like mm-hmm. the world itself yeah. is being yeah. annoying. He was just like, Oh my God, I'm fucking just tired of all of this shit. <laughs> but because I have been through too much of it, I'm tired of it. Not because yeah. it's dumb. Like he, yeah, he comes, he comes with it as the grizzled old man. Yes. Of the series <laughs> and like is, is ready for the punches to be thrown, even though he doesn't know which punch is coming next. Exactly. Which is just why that, that intro joke is just so great. Like he's a Corvidian, so he's going to really connect to my story. And like, you don't know why he's going to connect. Like you, you really, don't know what yeah. Jonathan's really connection is. Yeah. You yeah. really think he's going to sympathize with him and really, he just wants to grab him and throw him out the window. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did think that they were going to have Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez fall in love at the end. And I'm glad they didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. But, like, they also set it up at the beginning where, like, uh, somebody asked them if they're together and Michelle Rodriguez is like, no, those lips, gross. Yeah. And then, like, I thought for sure, I was like, oh, they're going to kiss at the end for sure. And then she's going to be like, you know what? Your lips aren't so bad. Something something really stupid <laughs> yeah. like that. I was, like, ready for that to happen, just waiting for it. And then it didn't. I was like, oh. Oh, that's nice yeah. that they didn't do yeah. that. Yeah. That's- <laughs> it makes the small lips joke a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good uh, a bromance, essentially. Like, I think the yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, for sure. That but, was uh, yeah, so he... Right. And we have, like, quote, a romantic relationship in the movie to, to check a box, but it's not really... We don't really spend too mm. much on it between yeah. Simon and Doric. Like, oh, they had yeah. a thing oh, before, yeah. and then they, they kind of get together and hold hands at the end, but it's it, they don't really spend too much time on it either, so I felt like no. eh, it was Well, there. they didn't spend too much time talking during the thank you, you're all heroes segment either, did they? So no. uh, <laughs> I figured they probably wouldn't have a lot. It's it kind of like a love is on the spectrum little segment there. For, mm. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see that. Um, the action sequences, like, the, the there were definitely those that are funny that, that stick out. So like, yeah, the the dragon and getting away from the dragon and like all that was played pretty funny as well. Like it, some expectation mm-hmm. where he like he's like a sword or a bone or whatever in its mouth, and it just immediately fucking crushes yeah. it. Yeah, I, like, mm-hmm. good subversion. I thought the axe would do something in the the stone dragon's mouth, and then it didn't no. fucking it's care. Like, nope. Just yeah. It. Um, and similarly, the the jumping out with Jonathan at the beginning, which then again yeah. we have at the, at the end, end of the movie mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Hugh Grant tries to do the same thing. Um, <laughs> yes, but, but even just like straight up. Action, like I really did appreciate where Doric is transforming into all the different things to get away. That yes, that was a really cool scene. Even though that's like mostly digital effects, they did a good job of continuing to track what was going on, and you had a sense of like where everyone was and what was happening. Um, And then just the transitions were cool. Yeah, yeah. There was a bit of time where I got a little fooled. Like I, I thought my brain was like trying to do the math on it because we follow um, whenever Dork is like running as the mouse into the suit of armor and mm-hmm. then shape shifts into her normal form mm-hmm. and comes through the suit of armor. I was like, Oh, that's actually her. But then the guards like knock the armor down and she becomes like uh, a, a mouse again or like the Falcon. And it just changed so fast. And that whole scene tracked it so well that I was like, 
oh, it tricked me. Holy fuck. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that they were literally like the actors just waiting in the suit of armor has a mask over their face or something and then appears and hey, visual effects and practical have merged. But it was all visual effects and it's impressively done. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing was the movie never as, as it follows a rule of threes at times, um, which I noticed it's still shortcut a lot of the bullshit to build up to that. So you never were like, okay, here we go again with this thing. Like when they're going through the graveyard, asking questions, I was going to bring this up. Yes. Asking questions to the corpses, uh, which I thought was really funny. Like I immediately had that thought of like, well, if you only have five questions and then you don't (laughs) ask all the questions, what the fuck happens? And they like build their way to that. And everybody being like, Oh, well, I was the guy that held the helmet first and then got cut in half or like did this mm-hmm. other shit. I thought that those were a clever amount of misdirects and a clever amount of shortcuts to get you to those punchlines because it was like, I was like, okay, that's predictable. I know what they're going to do next. But then they would always kind of tweak it just a little bit to keep me engaged and having fun and get a good laugh out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, Monty Python quote in that segment too. Oh, uh, what was it? One of the questions he asks to try to get through the what's your favorite, favorite color? color? Yeah. Blue. Yeah, yeah. No green. <laughs> and then he starts going off for a little while. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that whole sequence was good too. They never really spent like reveled in it too long either. Mm-hmm. Like each bit they kind of had it and then it was like on to the next thing. Like that's the right level of comedy for something like this. It's just like get the joke. As you're kind of getting the joke, we've already moved to kind of the next thing. Don't worry about it. There's also like some really interesting i wouldn't say like super interesting but it is creative cinematography done in those segments uh i remember when they're digging up you know you could show a static shot a wide shot of all the characters digging up the graves one at a time and just fast clip it that would be how you'd get to the to the gold of every one of those sequences but there are intersplice sequences of the camera attached to the shovel mm-hmm. and actually moving with the dirt and like you getting this momentum but you still know where you are and what's happening and so uh, there was a lot of stuff that just pulled you into what the characters were doing that I appreciated. Um, even uh, the bit with oh, the mirror, the bit where they have oh, that was the other. Yeah. The, the treasure thing. That was a really fun scene where you just get the fucking like portals put on the mirror and then the mirror on oh, the painting. The, yeah. The painting yeah, yeah, yeah. when they're trying to pull that heist on the wagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like Very uh, cool. I want to know Dixon, what were your thoughts for that particular sequence where they're like in the bushes trying to like make this happen? Yeah, no, it was good. Like all, all those sequences like that were, were well done. Um, I thought it was funny. They're, they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to portal like from the hill up under the wagon and like, one of the guys is like falling halfway down the hole and they see Michelle Rodriguez just like thrusting on this guy's legs on the, and she's just like waving and smiling to the caravan as they drive by. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, just um, them building that shit back. Yeah. So good. But yeah, that was that was clever and like, you know, they would come back to things like the the fucking wizard stick, he'd come back and use it later and um, you know, like it did all the things that a movie like that is supposed to do. I, I feel like this movie is the ceiling for me of what this type of movie can be like mm-hmm. a, a marvelous, a Marvel ish superhero movie that is just trying to be candy to get you to laugh and have some clever bits and then move on. Like, I feel like it, it executed it really well. It did exactly what it was wanting to do. It's just not what I wanted to see, yeah. but it is like it accomplished everything it set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. We, we forced you to say we got him we got him yeah. that was we the whole it. point of us tasty. drawing out for this long <laughs> was to get him uh, <laughs> uh, 
That's that's fucking I, high praise though. We it's have like not eating a massive bowl of candy that you like, you yeah. know. And then after, like, you sh- man, I should have eaten dinner instead. I should really take my <laughs> yeah. diabetes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say yeah. it's interesting because I do feel like walking out of this, I was like, wow, they really did put their hearts into it, mm-hmm. and still working with a studio and a company, like, there's got to have been a lot of interference in this still. They were able to get, I actually think, pretty much their vision on the page, so to speak, and through, and still have, like, it was mass appeal without having to be, you know, bad or lazy or or what have you. Um, But I kind of worry that I was like, I don't know if it's succeeding the way that the studio wants it to. So Mm. I'm a little hesitant. I'm like, I'm not sure where it's going to go next. Meanwhile, two theaters over fucking packed house mm. at super mario yep. and mm-hmm. that movie's gonna rake in so much money on so fucking tiny effort there are now honestly the like the yeah. fucking sonic the hedgehog movies made money right like it's kind of obvious now that you can just like stick something from a video game on it and print yeah. money except uncharted like they sometimes they can't figure out which ones are good and which ones are bad but well, that's because it was mark Wahlberg and it was a casting <laughs> issue yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted to play nathan <laughs> <laughs> i mean like, like I, this movie I, like did pretty well i think i don't i don't know what it's it did okay was, it did really but, pretty good but yeah, yeah i wonder if they wanted it, this to be a three billion dollar marvel movie oh yeah you know, oh, then definitely. then who doesn't? Yeah. yeah. I just don't know well, that that potential was ever there. Like this IP isn't as, as like, you know, popular as Marvel IP is. And I, I feel like what they did was they, you know, they put effort into the CGI. They probably paid a decent amount for Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, and they probably saved a lot of money on the director and the, um, you know, the rest of the cast and, and things like that to where like, they're not putting out, you know, 50 to a hundred million dollars to make this thing. Right. This is a, you know, probably a smaller budget comic book blockbuster that, you know, had a had reasonable costs going into it. I would assume I'm completely talking out of my ass and it's possible <laughs> that they like bet the house on this thing. But. Can I also just say that uh, you could tell by the thank you, your heroes opening segment that Hugh Grant, uh, he, he needs work. Hugh Grant, he, needs work. <laughs> uh, he I, was like, when he looked at that camera, I was like, Hugh Grant, my heart goes out to you, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't on screen I, very much. So they probably yeah. have to pay him too much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I honestly was sitting there because he's like off to the right and chris pine is front and center in like a bigger chair than everyone else yes and but, and but a lower down chair so he yeah, was but, like yeah, shorter lower. than everyone yeah <laughs> and hugh grant's like off to the side on a fucking bar stool and i was mm-hmm. sitting there being like wow i can just hear hugh grant's thoughts over there of like how did I get here? <laughs> Why am I yeah, not like, front and center? Hello, darkness, my <laughs> what yes, friend. If that's ever released to like YouTube or something, I really hope that that clip finds its way because I'm going to put that song on top of it and zoom in on you, Grant. It'll be fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think this did a lot better worldwide than it did. Like, I think it was like it, the global is doing pretty well. Over I in would China assume this so, is the next yeah. Avatar. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, oh, they love it because it's just like visually very impressive. But then like uh, American audiences were like Dungeons and who? What? No. Yeah. yeah that's uh, my father-in-law loves movies that have big explosions because it has less words for him to process. Yeah. And I understand that mm-hmm. he's uh, not a native English speaker. So it's like mm-hmm. you want those kinds of action segments. And mm-hmm. I could definitely sense I was like, oh, I would take him to this. And John yeah. Wick 4, obviously, too. Oh, John hell Wick 4 yeah. is fucking amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Um, Parker, any, any other thoughts? I mean, really, just like 
more praise on just like the the good job that they did like filming this the production was really great like the pacing was really well like it was a long movie and it didn't like they said a lot in it and no it didn't like go through a lot emotionally but they got a whole bunch done like ryan said they kind of they they got everything they wanted to out there and it it's a two and a half hour movie yeah 214 and it didn't seem like 214 yeah surprisingly didn't seem that yeah but yeah it it had great color gradients you know like like you were saying every every uh space every popped in a certain way exactly had a yeah you remember them you mean you remember the greenery of the forest the the red and the black well dixon doesn't so (laughs) (laughs) i'm just sitting over here being colorblind yes (laughs) don't don't mind me i i will say it definitely felt like there wasn't a lot of um bad shit gonna happen feel to it like there was no the, tension. The out. Yeah, like no a, tension. Like, yeah, there's those, no stakes, the really. The people dipped out of that Coliseum so quick. They were just like, oh, gold fire yeah. from the sky? Like, yeah. let's, let's run after I it. I thought, like, one kid would get his foot caught in the in something, just like Justice Smith got his foot caught in the stupid little bridge whenever <laughs> yeah. Chris Pine melted into an illusion of nothing, which oh, was uh, just was a trippy. Trip fantastic yeah, that scene that if i had been high that would have unnerved me <laughs> very deeply <laughs> i'm so glad i did not do those edibles <laughs> when i saw this yeah i did have that thought where everyone gets out of the coliseum so fast just because cold mm-hmm. gold is dropping outside but i was like the giant red cloud fucking <laughs> coming down from the sky would like, not have was gonna them get them all yeah they wouldn't have right. driven them out <laughs> exactly like run from the real danger don't just run to the gold <laughs> well Okay, let me just put on my hat to was explain a, It was this. a commentary. Okay. Okay. Let me secure this. Uh, they were in the middle of a Coliseum game where anything goes, and yeah. it could totally change at any moment. There. So true. <laughs> I've done it. All right, yeah. all right. They could totally believe that that was I've just defeated Bra- <laughs> Ryan's uh, Berenstein Bears logic uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. diffuser. <laughs> the one thing that we haven't talked about in this, and I think this speaks to, you know, given that it is basically a, a Marvel movie, Please, one of the up. things that is super weak in this is the villain, right? Mm. It's like yeah. Hugh Grant is kind of the villain, but not really. Like yeah. he's just at, in it for a buck. And then there's just this like, you know, Scarlet bald, witch. silent <laughs> red witch who just like stares <laughs> off into the abyss and doesn't seem to really have any motivation other than just like power. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's just like she doesn't really matter at all during the movie. And like you never really care about her or wonder why she's doing what she's doing. <laughs> she's not on screen very much. And then they just like beat her like pretty easily at the end and move on. And it's just like, OK, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Your typical Marvel I, movie where the villain yeah. is an afterthought and yeah. not mm-hmm. really like it's like they wrote the script before they figured out what the conflict was going to be and who the villain was. I, that is very true to D&D form in my opinion yeah. that uh, a villain would be defeated this easily and not have this much depth to a certain point. But there is room here to have injected because there's so much emphasis on family to have her be an orphan who was scorned and hated this and uh, values individualism, make her Ayn Rand, honestly, oh like just <laughs> fucking full on really objectivism. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Um, and then at the end, have it be, oh, no, it's this collaborative effort of a bunch of scrappy people from lower classes who fucking defeated your bullshit that actually mm. overwhelms her. But no, that's not what this is. This is, nah. again, forget yeah. your problems at home, everybody, and escape. <laughs> Don't we? We also get a hint that there's like a 
there, there's a higher wizard than her or something, right? Yeah. Like yeah. behind oh, her. Oh, great. Kind of, a sequel we don't really get with into another yeah. taller wizard. Yeah. Wonderful. She's, she's the, <laughs> the older wizard. the guy that first used the thing. That horn the, the, is a real item the, in D&D as well. No. Okay. Well, they didn't really explain it in the movie, so. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. I don't know what it did. The Santana Abraxas. <laughs> I don't want Santana Abraxas. From the Columbia Records Club. We all know this. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I don't think we have any last thoughts, really. We can kind of go around and say if we would recommend it. I would recommend it. I honestly kind of think if John's parents liked it, Dixon's okay with it. My kids are okay with it. Like, this is definitely a mass appeal, and I I don't really think that anyone would watch this and be like, feel that they wasted their time, or th- oh, but, ooh, but ooh, they may forget. Me, me. <laughs> you know, two hours, whatever. Like I, I think you kind of can walk out and be like, "All right, I'll have some whatever." You it know, didn't at the feel worst. like it was spitting in your face, though, Dixon. No, it didn't. Yeah, there you go. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. Honestly, I will watch it again, and that's actually kind of you know sometimes a rare thing. I actually probably will watch this whenever it comes out on whatever fucking platform it ends up on. I probably will watch this again with the rest of the family at home. Um, and I think actually my son would be like, "Oh, cool, let's watch this again," and he'd be like, "Oh, remember when this happened?" Um, and now Ellie can to get be. in on it too. So right, and then know. she'd be able to watch it. So uh, Parker, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would. I would definitely recommend this movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very fun ride, um, akin to Pacific Rim. After I watched it, and some friends of mine decided to say, "Well, that was a dumb movie," and I said, "Well, what did you want besides <laughs> you know robots, you know, doing a rocket punch into a kaiju?" Uh, I I really enjoyed the fun roller coaster that was D&D so I would I would recommend Honor Among Thieves colon Honor Among Thieves <laughs> colon Honor, right. Honor Among Thieves get it right <laughs> uh, Dixon I would not recommend it um, having said that if you like Marvel movies you should go see it because mm. it is good for that type of thing yeah why don't you go see a good Marvel movie if you don't <laughs> like Marvel movies don't bother um, but yeah, I, you know, uh, it's going to be shocking for you guys to hear, but I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Marvel movies or comic book movies in general. Oh I know God, this is I never a new revelation. Yeah, we've been doing this podcast, this podcast for how many years and I've just never known this <laughs> yeah. about you. Um, it's a recent change of opinion, but, uh, yeah, so I would not recommend it. However, I, like I said, I do think it executes on that formula very well. I just am not a fan of the formula. So yeah, not recommend cool. asterisk. <laughs> no, it's a not recommend. But you know, don't if you pull know, him into my gray area. Yeah, I'm not straddling the fence like John. It's a it's a no for me. But you know, Man, I'm gonna get this fence pregnant one way or another. Okay? <laughs> what kind of fence cool. is this? Uh, it's a D and D enchanted fence. Okay, okay. It's mimic, a mimic treasure chest. Yes. yes. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, oh, cool. all right john john bring us around i would recommend this movie you know i've recommended worse everybody <laughs> you yeah. heard me recommend and fight on behalf of significantly worse movies uh but this was a fun time despite some asshole next to me ruining the experience um it was still a great movie uh for for me like it was good escapism i had a fun time with chris pine's character and his charisma i really enjoyed what he brought to it i always enjoy a vehicle for an actor that i appreciate and and really enjoy their Mm -hmm. like performance Mm -hmm. to to just get to to ham it up 
and have a good time. Um, yeah, there were uh, obviously some some qualms that I had with it, but overall just gave me what I wanted. I went in. I did not expect more from it. And I got what I was like, OK, yeah, I came here for this. I'm yes. good. Nice time. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, that uh, that can bring us to a close for Afterthoughts. Parker, I want to say thank you again for joining us as a guest. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. When uh, when when we do the sequel, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have you back. Yes, <laughs> bring me bring back your uh, your your D and D expert. Yeah, and and with me as well, John Garcia. I hold on, wait, I got my dice. I'm gonna roll. Yeah, it's a natural one. A natural <laughs> one. Uh, is there an uh, unnatural one? Yes, a natural one. Um, you know what? I'm sorry I asked. Let's just move <laughs> on. Yeah, just... yeah, get get him out of here. Get him out of here, everybody. Eject your seat. Get her, all right. All right. <laughs> all right. Take us out then. And Michael Dixon, thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.